Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name's Aaron Kemp and as always I'm joined by Will. Tonight the birthday boy Murden. How is it going my man? You have joined the ranks of the 33 club. Well done. You've done it. Your liver feels older. Your face looks older but you have made it. Well yeah, done. I woke up this morning with a full head of grey hair, just the whole lot, overnight. Well, it's yeah. not overnight, but it's the the uh, uh, impact of work, family, lifestyle. It, it's all caught up to me, and now I'm just a fully grey man. It's just like the consistent feeling that we're ebbing towards middle age. And I say ebbing, I mean racing there at a rate of knots that is unheralded and it horrifies me that work just completely takes over our lives along with family and other stuff like that as well and it's just like man what happened to the days where you could ring up some mates on a thursday afternoon and within 40 minutes you've got six blokes around and you're drinking like what happened to those days yeah and drinking an obscene amount too yeah. like not just a couple of beers like you are yeah. turning one on you are ending up somewhere where you probably should not be uh mm. the early hours of the morning and yeah that's it's certainly in the rearview mirror for the two of us i know and i like i don't want to be the guys that like go out once a year and just get fucking trashed and just make absolute dicks of themselves talking about the glory days i mean that's that is what we do here but we don't want to do that on a, a nightly basis around young people and alcohol they're just like Dude, no absolutely not once a year i try and do that 12 times a year just to <laughs> keep in touch Okay. All right. We've got a massive, massive show to get to. We don't want to hang around. It's too long here. I've got a bit of a headache. Long day, long week already this week. Um, you know, it was real tough being out in a tent this week. So, uh, but we do have a bit of news to get to. There's game previews. Uh, we've got, you know, I'm, I'm going to help you on the pun again because that went well last week. We've got to introduce the Pac-12. So let's not hang around at all. Let's get into some news. Kai Whittingham signs a four-year extension with Utah. I doubt that he sees the end of that contract. I know he's pretty comfortable there, but I could see him leaving for greener pastures at some stage. Surely his name gets thrown around for a bigger coaching job. Yeah, he's he's performed really, really well over the last couple of years, developed uh, quite a reputation there, so I think you're right. But it's a good spot, and let's hope he can continue that going. COVID ramps up and wipes out the Purdue-Wisconsin game and the Louisville-Virginia game. Louisville-Virginia, not so bi- so much of a big deal, but the Purdue-Wisconsin game has repercussions for the Big Ten. Absolutely. Wisconsin need to get a minimum of six games in to qualify for the Big Ten National Championship game. By having their second cancellation in a row, they are now at a point where they cannot miss another one just based on the scheduling and the windows. Otherwise, they are essentially ruled out of being able to play in the Big Ten Championship this year. That would be disappointing as outside of Ohio State, the Big Ten looks to be fractionally down this year. The Pac-12 is back and we're going to have a quick chat right now as I fade out this bloody music. Uh, just about the quick, the teams, we haven't really done a preview, the teams, the players, so let's jump in. Oregon are ranked at 12, UC, 
USC, sorry, at 20. Utah always competitive. Washington are looking to bounce back. And Cow, I think, are going to be sneaky good this year. Your thoughts on any of those teams or any others that you would like to throw in the mix that we should be keeping an eye on? It was a tough enough to get a gauge on some of these other teams coming into this year, even when we had a whole heap more information and a lead up. I feel like with the Pac-12 this year, it is like truly unknown who's going mm. to emerge from there. I feel like Oregon were the favorites coming into this year. They've got some good pieces there, but they've also had some pretty significant opt-outs with uh, their star left tackle and consensus number one offensive lineman uh, across the year, P- Panay Sewell, not being around, that really hurts their chances. I think he he was that sort of uh, a player for them, that he was able to drive things forward. But I still like the Ducks to take things out there. USC are always an interesting one. Can Clay Helton deliver on the talent that we expect to see uh, from that Southern California team? I'm optimistic about their chances this year. I I like to think that Keaton Slovis can improve on what was a really successful first year last year if he's able to take that step up then they become a challenger it's just what are they playing for what are they challenging for if they're only playing six games with a national championship what does that look like is that enough to get it done you have to be not only winning the conference but winning it in a pretty impressive fashion for mine to be going into the national relevant uh playoff conversation Absolutely. And I am off of Oregon and I'm going to talk about that a little bit more. And I think there hasn't been a conference that's been harder hit from the opt-out perspective than the Pac-12. Obviously, the West Coast got on board that early. They didn't see the value in such a late start. So when you look at the best players in that conference, and you mentioned some, a lot of them are out of there. I mean, originally, a lot of those guys are on defense, on the offensive line. You look at where the big players are in that conference, and you're looking at a whole bunch of defensive ends, you're looking at a whole bunch of secondary guys, and you're looking at O-linemen. Those guys are all gone now, or a lot of them. So Paulson Adebo, the cornerback at Stanford, Jay Tufele, uh, the defensive tackle at USC, those guys are both gone. Uh, and then on the offensive line, Walker Little at Stanford, Panay Sewell is gone as well, and there's a whole host of others. We'll get into that in more detail as we get into game previews, but this whole conference looks completely different now. And the shining stars that we lost last year through the draft, like Justin Herbert have now then gone and been joined by this year's lot already in terms of the losses. They haven't even played a game. So they've almost lost two classes worth of absolute superstars. A couple of other guys in the skill positions, which appear to be a little bit weaker. You mentioned Keaton Slovis, Chase Garbers, the quarterback at Cow, and CJ Vidal, the running back at Oregon. Uh, And Kayvon Thibodeau? the defensive end at Oregon. We've mentioned him a couple of times, but he's going to be a really good one as well. So let's jump straight in to the Pac-12, I think. How does that sound? Yeah, let's do it. Let's get get into there. We've been hungry for some uh, late, later night action. Pac-12 after dark or into the mid-afternoon for us. For us, yeah. Uh, yeah, let's start with, we're just going to go in chronological order and I'm getting this one straight out the blocks early. Arizona State at USC, the number 20 ranked team in the country. US, USC are supposed to be the, the number two team probably challenging behind Oregon based on the AP poll. You've got Keaton Slovis, 
uh, at quarterback who is going to look to shine. But then you've got on the other side, you've got Jane Daniels, who's a really, really good one for the Sun Devils in week one. I have picked this as my chaos game of the week. Not that I believe that Arizona State are that great. I think they are good. Defensively, they're going to be better than perhaps what we've seen. They're, they often start the year really, really strongly. And um, I'm a Herm Edwards fan, I think. He's a bit of a crazy, but he's okay. The only other reason for that is that every other conference has had this kind of nuts game out of the blocks. And it's always happened to the next best teams okay whether it was Oklahoma or the, they could be ranked number one but you know Oklahoma uh, whether it was LSU whoever the case someone went down so I'm going to pick this one as that crazy game for the Pac-12 because one of these games is going to be and I'm going to pick USC to go down to the Sun Devils yeah interesting I am going to disagree with you in this one I like uh, USC here I think that they have a very good shout to be the best team in the Pac-12. Uh, with all the uncertainty around the place, it's going to be tough to predict, but they certainly have the talent across the board. I do like Keaton Slovis. He has a really solid group of positional players led by uh, Armin St. Brown. Armin Ra St. Brown, yep. That's the one who uh, is uh, going to be a big playmaker. He'll be one of the top receivers in all of the Pac-12 this year. No disrespect to Jaden Daniels. As you mentioned, he was a phenomenal player as a freshman last year at Arizona State. And if he can continue on that trajectory, he will lift this team to being in most games that they play in. Their well coach, Herm Edwards, has been around the block. He knows what to do. Uh, but I just think that the talent level for USC is going to be enough here for them to to win and set themselves up this year. I, I'm backing them in. I, I, I don't know what it is why I buy into some of these big teams that have shown yeah, nothing you keep over saying a long the time. Talent level, the talent level's always been there for USC. That's never been in question, but Clay Helton is still the head man there. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I can't, I still can't get on board. I was impressed with them last year with that air raid offense under Graham Harrow. I think they were very good in that space, but they lose Michael Pittman, obviously, to the pros, and they're going to be looking for some guys on the outside to do the job for them. And I just, it, you know, someone's going to go down this week. I'm picking that one. All right. Let's head over to Arizona at Utah. This is a bit of a, we're not going to spend long here because we just don't have the time, but we've got a bit of a transition team here with both of these guys. Jake Bentley takes over the quarterback after Tyler Hunt, Tyler Huntley leaves from Utah, and he was this kind of dual threat uh, weapon, both with his arms and his legs. And Jake Bentley's a bit more of a statue in the pocket as he transfers across from South Carolina from memory. I can't actually remember. Um, that sounds about right. Or, yeah. And on the other side, you've got Arizona who loses Khalil Tate, who was a fantastic dual threat guy as well. So, and, um, and they lose... Uh, running back uh, depth and strength as well. So I'm taking Utah at home with a good defense against uh, an Arizona team who I don't think is that great. I don't trust their coaching under your mate, Kevin Sumlin, who I didn't think was great at A&M and he hasn't done much at Arizona. So give me Kyle Whittingham and the Utes. Yeah, I'm 100% off the Kevin Sumlin train. He has been nothing short of extremely disappointing at his time at Arizona. Khalil Tate was one of the most exciting players mm. at the position and then 
just turned him into shit. Absolutely. Like two years of just nothing. Uh, wasn't able to get anything. Like took all the excitement out of his rushing game <laughs> yeah. and then didn't deliver anything passing. Like there was, there was no trade-off for improvement. And as a result, Arizona were not very good. They weren't a very enjoyable team to get around. And until I see something that kind of changes my mind on that, it, it's tough to get around that team. Uh, on the other hand, Utah coming off an excellent season last year. Carl Whittingham is probably his best as uh, his best season as a head coach at this program. I'm sure he was, you know, in line for a bunch of national awards. It was that sort of year, and it's all around that defense that they'd structured it up about having a really technically sound, solid defense, and I think they can continue to do that. So whilst the Wildcats are building. Utah are certainly looking to reload. They're not going to have the same team that they had last year. Like that was a kind of an up year for them. But I don't think the drop off is as significant as one might expect. And Utah are still going to be in the thick of things. I'm backing them in this one to uh, to win, and win quite comfortably. Okay, pushing on. UCLA are at Colorado. I don't have much for this game, but and, and I probably won't throughout the whole season until these teams, who were both incredibly disappointing last year, prove that they deserve to be watched with some more intensity and vigor. Uh, I just want to see some improvement from both of them. I mean, we're still waiting on this Chip Kelly regime second go-round after all the success he had at Oregon to to look like it's got its feet underneath itself and it still doesn't. Colorado, obviously, Mel Tucker leaves and takes the Michigan State job. Stevie Montez leaves Colorado after their really good start last year. They fell in a massive hole. So I just... I don't buy into the Colorado defense. I don't know what we're going to get from UCLA when they were relying on um, Josh Kelly and um, Dorian Thompson-Robinson or Robinson-Tobinson or whatever his bloody name is. Um, and and I just I don't have confidence in either of these two teams. I think they could both be entertaining potentially. I just don't think they're very good. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, to be perfectly honest, they both of these teams are in the bottom half of this conference. Uh, Chip Kelly's gone a combined seven and seventeen in his time at UCLA, which is not very good. That's not what they've hired him there to do. They would be expecting better results. He was obviously extremely successful at Oregon, had some early success at. Uh, the NFL level, and then it all caught up to him, and we haven't seen mm. that magic since. It, it, no. it just hasn't stuck. And it's not as if he's been building something with the young guys. I think there's a bit of a narrative that he's been there and they're kind of working towards something. They're only returning 10 starters this year from from last year's program. They had a significant amount of turnover. There's only three guys back on the defensive side of the ball. so Which was pretty bad as well. Which, you know, may be a good thing. Maybe these are his recruits now and, and, you know, there could be a positive in that. But offensively, we need to see... uh, Dariel Thompson-Robinson take that next step. I, I liked him as a, as a prospect. We haven't seen it yet. I think he's got some of the tools there. I'm a bit of a sucker for these kinds of guys, kind of like in that Kellen Mond mold. Yeah. Like he, he's that guy that you haven't seen yeah. it yet. Maybe he's it's going to break out. Than Kellen Mond. Yeah, I'm hoping so for his sake um, and that they can get it going. And Colorado, yeah, look, that that coaching, having Mel Tucker only around for the year and then jettison out in the way that he did is going to take a bit of a hit on this program. Those are the sorts of moves that really knock you about from a recruiting sense, from that continuity is so important. So 
I think that Colorado are, are really going to struggle for a little while because of this, and, they, and they're going to peter out towards the bottom of this conference until they can build the foundation up and, and start competing again. Okay. Uh, now, the potential big one, I don't know what the, where the big one actually lies. I think these games are all in the big in the Pac-12, sorry, are rather juicy. So we'll get head to Stanford at Oregon. So we've got no Herbert, obviously. He's in the NFL. Panay as you've mentioned, is gone. You've got no Holland at safety, who's probably a first-round safety in the draft next year. He's opted out. Brady Breeze is gone. Thomas Graham, who's possibly one of the top cornerbacks in the draft next year, he's gone. So this Oregon team is on the rebuild completely, particularly in the secondary um, and the offensive line is also needing to be reshifted, reshaped, remade, and they need to replace their quarterback. Stanford have won three of the last four in this rivalry. I'm not 100% convinced on David Shaw, but he manages to play these games really, really close or win them, and more often than not, he has won them. Ooh, I, I don't want to lean into my bold prediction here too early, but... There's something about this Oregon team for me, I think with so many losses, it's going to make things really tough for them this week. Okay. Do you know what I find to be really interesting? The, the kids at Stanford are obviously smart, right? That, that's how they're, they're able to go to Stanford. You're, this, is a, this is a yearly uh, little narrative that you pull out. Yes, carry on. Well, this, this year's got you know the flavor of 2020. A lot of them, I feel like the, the opt-out... It, rate at Stanford in particular is higher than other programs because they're fucking clever. They know what's going on. They know it's probably not in their best interest to be potentially putting themselves at harm. I mean, different for everyone. Obviously, there's different circumstances. But I look at that and I go, mm, maybe these kids are onto something here. Maybe they're, they're, not, they're not doing what's best potentially for themselves. So having the outs that they had from a team that wasn't very good last year. Stanford had a really bad last year yeah, historically. Like the last decade, they have been a, an incredibly strong program and last year they dropped right off, were not uh, bowl eligible for the first time in quite some time and struggled. On the flip side, Oregon finished the, the, nation, uh, finished the year ranked in the top five in the nation. Like this was a very, very good football team. Went 12-2. and two, uh, and was super impressive. So based off of that, like Oregon at home, we don't know enough about who's going to be out on the field to really make a call. Yeah. But from what we saw last year, like there was a significant gap of where these two teams are at. So there would really need to be a massive shift in uh, where they were coming from to see any other result than a, a relatively comfortable Oregon victory. Okay, yeah, I think those those losses in that secondary are gonna be, they're the, they're the ones that like offensive. We talk about what what groups, what position groups need time together to gel. Secondary is one of them, and and an underrated one, and so is offensive line. And you're rebuilding those two things. Ugh, that is tough. Anyway, let's move on. Washington State at Oregon State. Now I'm bringing Oregon State into my little stable of teams that I've got a soft spot for. I've got Purdue in there. I don't know who else. You probably know more about it than me. Um, but Oregon State are in. So go you beeves. Um, I really like Jamar Jefferson at running back. I think he is awesome. You've got the Nebraska transfer, Tristan Gebbia, or Jebbia. I still don't know how to say his name. He should be the guy at quarterback. And, and the defense was pretty solid last year. Jonathan Smith is a good young head coach, and he's a 
ex-beaver himself, so he knows the area, he knows how to recruit, all that kind of crap that I don't really buy into. But it does make a difference at a school like Oregon State. They improved to a five-win mark last year. And they'll be looking to get themselves bowl eligible. And I know that's a relative term this year in this COVID season, but I think they can put in a really strong showing. Uh, Washington State, on the other hand, obviously replacing Mike Leach. Nick Rolovich comes over from Hawaii. And you've got Max Borgie at running back and not a whole lot else. So uh, I, I, I don't know how I feel about this, but I'm going to take the Beavs. Okay. I mean, you do have a nice Oregon State jumper. Good color scheme. I'm a big fan of that. I do. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> there is a name that you as a casual listener need to get in your head. That is Jaden Delora. So he is four-star kid who signed at Washington State, uh, originally from Honolulu. So the, the Rolovich connection there, he's going to come in. I expect him to start for this Washington State Cougar team. And they are going to continue to run the air raid under Nick Rolovich. And they are going to put up numbers. They run they a bit more run and shoot than air It, it is, air it is. But I, but I still think... It's still going to be that pass-heavy kind of exactly stuff. Exactly right. You're going to see what we saw from uh, Cole McDonald at yep. Washington. Oh, which is good fun football to watch. Like it, it's entertaining, but the, the Washington State fans are going to be treated to some really cool, exciting games, but they're going to lose some absolute head scratches as well. So that that ain't really changing for them there. Obviously, uh, it was Anthony Gordon was the man who set all sorts of records in that air raid last year. Like, he was super impressive. He did a really good job. I expect that to kind of continue. Yes, it's going to be different without Mike Leach, but I'm more leaning towards Washington State in this one. Uh, your boy Jefferson, the running back at Oregon State, is a, a real player. Like, he's a legit mm. Sunday yeah. runner. He's going to be playing in the NFL. Uh, and you don't have a lot of that at Oregon State, although the ones that tend to come out of there tend to be pretty good, yeah. I reckon. Uh, so keep an eye on him if you're a future fantasy player. There's a little nugget in there for you. But for me, I, I like Washington State to get started and, and get rolling in this one. Rolling with Rolovich. I That's like it. it. You need a dude with white bleach blonde dreads, though, to run your quarterback if you're a uh, former Rolovich dude. Uh, yeah, I, I think it could be an interesting one. Could be an, uh, a really entertaining game. Hopefully lots of scores being put up. And, uh, yeah, I get on board the Beavs. Anyway, last game in the Pac-12, Washington at Cal. Chase Garbers is one of the best quarterbacks in the Pac-12 when he's healthy. That has been an issue in and of itself. The Cal defense has been really, really excellent over the last few years. Washington were took a step back last year, and they'll be looking to fight their way back into the Pac-12 relevance in terms of being the top of the North. And... That needs to come from that defense again. Jimmy Lake's the new head man there, and he's supposed to be a really young, fresh, innovative defensive mind, which is going to be really, really critical. But it's the offense to me that I just... I don't believe in for Washington. I haven't for a few years. They've been stale. They've been tough to watch at times. And uh, I'm taking, I'm, I'm all in on Cow this year. So I'm taking the experienced quarterback and a good defense over Washington, I think. No, I don't think. I'm committing hard here. Let's go. I'm, I'm all in on Cow. I don't yeah, think no. I know. 
I'm, I'm all in on cow. I'm with you. I'm big. On, I'm really big on cow this year. I think they are a genuine threat to win the Pac-12. They have the right recipe, as you mentioned, like a really solid defense last year. Good returning crew there. Uh, one of the better quarterbacks in the conference in Chase Garbers, who it, it, it's that injury risk that really kind of has you a little bit concerned. But when he's been on the field, he has been extremely efficient for them and, and put up really good numbers. Both teams eight and five last year, so kind of coming from a similar spot. But I am like, I feel like historically. You, you lean Washington in this one, right? Like, if, Correct, if you look back yeah. the last five well, years... The Cows what, had the wood over Washington a little bit recently. From memory, Cal always just muddy it up and make it ugly. And um, it's... I don't know. Washington seems to have not travelled real well there recently. But anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. You, you're spot on. For me, Cow kind of make a statement in this one almost and and really Mm. declare that they're ready to go so all for that i think the fact that they opened up as favorites was interesting to me because i went in here thinking oh you know cow will come in as underdogs and i fully expect them to win and then to see that line i go oh now i'm a bit concerned because i'm actually on the side of of the punters (laughs) yeah like that doesn't seem right so (laughs) bit scared for them on that front but there are some strange stats out there Chase Garbers, like the offense averages over 32 points or something when he's playing and when he's not playing they average like 14 <laughs> or like he hasn't lost when they when he starts a game but when they you know so he's he's a really critical piece for them uh looking to i think the pac 12 has done a really good job with their scheduling this week i think it's really really entertaining because we're going to hammer through the rest of these conferences and there's just not the juicy matchups throughout so well done to the pac 12 let's not hang around here any longer let's head over to the big 10 number 23 michigan are at bloomington to take on number 13 indiana i don't have any real great thoughts here Except if Jim Harbaugh loses this one, he is on a hot seat straight up. And I don't think he does. I'll let you take it from here. What are your thoughts on this one before I dive into why Michigan are going to win big? I mean, this is where the polls are always a bit of a piss take. Yeah. Because you've got Indiana who, where are they sitting at the moment? Coming in at 13. 13. They beat Penn State. That they was did. The thing. They did. But it, but it was a game that you know could have gone either way. Penn State probably should have won. I mean, yeah. I know we don't talk woulda, shouldas, but you, you've got to factor that in. And also the fact that Indiana 13, Michigan 23, this game's being played in Indiana and Michigan are favourites. Yeah. Like, that, that shit's crazy. Uh, but, the, but this is the way it's always been, though, particularly early, which I've always had a frustration with. And that's why I've said, why do we do the polls so early? Because it hasn't been diluted yet. You've got, you're basing this on one result. But anyway, continue. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Just look, mansplaining that shit to you there. All right, let's go. Let's get some analysis. Appreciate it. There's a little bit of disrespect towards Indiana, I think. Just... Because they've been because they're not good. They're not that well, good. And and they've been propped up so high. Like that first win got them jumped above Penn State, who could well go zero and three after this week, and and really not deserve the high ranking that they had at the start of the year. Um, it's this team has lost twenty four straight times to the Wolverines. Like if there's <laughs> e- if there's ever a year that these long-running things get broken. It's fucking this one. Like, I see that stat and I go, mm, COVID, 
chaos game. <laughs> this one, surely, like... But then it shouldn't be a chaos game because they're fucking the number 13 team in the nation <laughs> playing the number 23 one. So I don't want to burn too much time on this. I, I think... It's going to be a good matchup. Like you talk about some of the conferences lacking them. Both of these teams are ranked. Like this is a genuine ranked matchup. Michigan are looking to bounce back from a f- really embarrassing performance, really, against Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, it's a rivalry, those things happen, but they would be internally embarrassed by that. Indiana want to keep this going, they want to break that 24. 24- uh, game win streak. This is the year they can do it. So there's going to be something played out in the field here. I think it's going to be a good one to watch. I don't. I I think Indiana have got one shot, and it's Michael Penix. Uh, they've got to load him up with as many bullets as they can fire in that gun, but they don't really have that much in the way of skill position players to put fear into I, what I still think is a good Wolverines defense. And I know the sample size is small, but for the Hoosiers, they've averaged 279 yards of offense in two wins. Like, that's not great. And that's not going to hold up against uh, a Big Ten schedule. And this is the the start of that i think they're gonna they're gonna get touched up here michigan out talent them all over the field and whilst i don't rate harbour as a coach joe milton looks more comfortable he'll be better for the run in that rivalry game and he's just going to continue to improve with every contest i don't think that michigan are that good but i think they beat indiana here pretty comfortably okay uh, Nebraska at Northwestern, Michigan State at Iowa. Any thoughts on those two games? Nebraska really uh, clamoring for a win, and I don't think it happens this week. I, I like <laughs> Northwestern. I like this Northwestern team. I think that they're going to be a sneaky play, especially if Wisconsin can't play oh. in the championship game Yeah, just by virtue of a pandemic. Well, does this make this like a pseudo Big Ten well, it doesn't make it shit because, like, like at the moment, Nebraska don't have a win and they don't look like they're going to get one. You're like, they're, yeah, they're not Minnesota, competing for much. Minnesota's out. North, like, it's Northwestern and Nebraska who's left. Uh, but, uh, like, I if Wisconsin's know. out. Like, if Wisconsin's out, Nebraska, Northwestern, like, this is it. <laughs> this is it. Yeah. yeah uh, I mean... <laughs> Northwestern are a good team, and I think Iowa? they could be. Like, is that way? <laughs> I think they are. I think they are this team. I think you're giving them probably a little bit too much disrespect. I mean, they're, they're not shaping up to the top uh, rung. Like, <laughs> good luck against Ohio State. But mm. the, in, in the landscape of the Big Ten Conference, I like this Northwestern team. I think they, they will win this one. They'll keep their things rolling for them. Um, and hopefully we'll, we'll see more points from this well, they're going to need like to. And this Nebraska defense is fractionally better. Uh, Northwestern put up 21 on Iowa, and Iowa has have always had a reasonably stout defense. But I think Nebraska are going to score more easily. I actually would be tempted to take Nebraska in this one. I don't know why. Uh, and I'm, I'm using transitive property there because I think Nebraska are going to score more than 21. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Northwestern. I, not a bad shout. Michigan State, Iowa, any great thoughts there? Are Michigan State that good or Iowa that bad? 
Uh, Michigan State are not that good, and Iowa might be that bad. So I'm <laughs> okay. leaning Spartans in that one just because I don't think that Iowa are, are going to be a team that we're used to seeing, like a, a really good one, a one that normally ends up around the 10-win mark. Obviously not happening this year, but the, <laughs> I think four wins would be good, and we're not going to see that. Ooh. Okay, so you know how Iowa do their little wave at the hospital at three-quarter time or whatever? Yes, is that still going to happen and it is did. it just full of like COVID people? No, it, it, like, I think it's a kid's hospital and it, it did happen are, last week. Kids get COVID, dude. I thought they were immune. That's not accurate. <laughs> well, fuck. I also <laughs> voted Trump, so... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we weren't going to get through a whole show without some sort of douchebaggy <laughs> political crap. Okay, Maryland at Penn State. I think Penn State crushed Maryland here. The Nittany Lions found their feet a little more against Ohio State. Yeah, they still got beaten comfortably, but they looked more comfortable. Uh, Tungavai Lowell was good for Maryland, but I say he was good. He was good in the second half. He's still green. He turns the ball over a little bit. I'm taking Penn State at home, and I don't think this is that close. I don't think Maryland's that good. Yes, they got a good win last week, but let's not overreact here. Penn State are the better team. Yeah, the the like knee-jerk reaction is, well, did you see them beat Minnesota? Maryland are back. <laughs> They're good all of a sudden. Yeah. And you look at Penn State's record and go, oh, and two. Well, this team's obviously not very good. So yeah. th- that's the wrong assessment of this game. Penn State will win. <laughs> Minnesota at Illinois, I mean, we, we are going to spend... I'm going to have got one sentence. Let's not fuck around here. But the Gophers just have to win this. Like, you've got an absolutely insipid Illinois offense versus a terrible Minnesota defense. It kind of reminds me of, like, the two boxers. I've, I've probably used this analogy before. The two boxers that swing and punch each other at the same time just knock themselves out together. That is how bad this is going to be like this this could be a fucking mess well i think it's the opposite we talk like strength on strength i think that metaphor is used for strength on strength where like two dudes going at this is really weakness on weakness yeah and it's like two guys hitting each other with a pillow and just not much (laughs) happening well that was that didn't do much for us like Uh, minnesota will win surely they'll they'll come around They, they 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 their offense is still good correct their offense was good and they were rolling so bad from the point that they started to get going uh, in the second quarter last week to the three-quarter time when I turned that game off, they were charging. They had that yeah. one in control. I don't know what the fuck happened, but surely this Minnesota team, PJ Fleck, can get something going. Okay, in the ACC, Miami and NC State, they play on Saturday. This NC State defense I don't think is particularly good. They rank in the bottom third of college football. Devin Leary's out, which we know. Bailey Hockman will get the start at quarterback. There's some COVID-orientated issues for Miami at the moment, so we'll see how that plays out in terms of depth, in terms of if they can get this game off the ground because this was a little bit of a concern. But at this stage, it looks like it is a go. A bit of a trappy game here for the Canes, I think, coming off the bye, and NC State are not that bad, and it is uh, on the road for the Canes. So, yeah, to me, this seems like it could be a get right game for the Miami offense because of the the poor play for both the NC State run defense and pass defense. So I'm hoping the Canes can get going in this one. Yes, I think you're right. The, that's the smart play there. With uh, Leary out for NC State, it's putting uh, a whole heap of pressure on that 
backup quarterback Hockman that they've got in there. And I just don't think he's going to be able to get going against uh, Miami defense has been pretty good this year. Like they're, they're only giving yeah, up 22 points. Good. Like it, it, yeah. it's a really respectable unit. So I think they're going to struggle there. And on the flip side for NC State, their defense stinks. Like, yeah, they're on that 3 3 5. They, they've been relying on hanging with teams and putting up points. And yeah. like, I think they're going to struggle to do that. Whereas Miami, we know can run the football. Uh, yes, well, Virginia, do we know that though? Well, oh, yes, Virginia oh, no, kind of stuffed them that. up. I think we've seen enough that they'll be able to do that against uh, an NC State team who doesn't have the defensive prowess that a Virginia defensive front does. Like It's a different level of beast there. I think they will be able to run it. I think De'Eric King can get going too. I expect Miami mm-hmm. to win this one. Wouldn't shock me if they came out of the bye and we saw something of Miami of old. Like that, that's, that's still kind of floating around in the back there. But from well, what we've seen so bad? far... As in as, bad... Yeah, as in bad, like yeah, yeah. coming out of a buy, they they yeah, lay a bit of an egg, especially with all this COVID stuff floating around. Like if yeah. if they're missing some important players that we don't really have visibility of, and I'm sure you probably know more than I as, as to who's potentially impacted. No, they've kept it really, really quiet. They're just not commenting on anyone. So yeah, and and that's a bit scary because it could be you know your starting linebacker core is yeah, is well, not they available suck anyway. So. <laughs> I don't know. I'm taking Miami, but if they come out and do a Miami on us, then wouldn't wouldn't shock. Yeah, and, and it makes me nervous right. because you had this moment against Texas last week, and you're through that now. And I know mine for Miami is coming at some stage. I just don't know when, and this could be it. Uh, mm. Anyway, let's push on. I've got four games before we get to the big one in the ACC. So please say if you want to discuss any of these. Number 25, Liberty are at Virginia Tech. UNC are at Duke. Boston College at Syracuse. And Pitt at Florida State. All of these games are blurring on completely insignificant and certainly not worth tuning into. But do you have anything on any of those? Uh, I'll play my chaos card on the Liberty Virginia Tech Whee. game. I can. Some men just want to watch the world burn. And you've said that, but I don't know which way you're going with this. Because <laughs> you don't know who the favourite. I mean, that's fair. One team is undefeated and looking the goods. And the ranked. other is is kind of really struggling a bit. Look, Virginia Tech are a power five football program who should win this matchup, and I don't think they will. And, and it's ah, not- okay. See, okay, that's a good call. I'm okay with that. I thought you were going to go like Virginia Tech beating Liberty. No, like, no, no, cool. no. I'm, I'm, ta- I'm taking Liberty <laughs> on the road. Like, it's a, a tough matchup. Like, you get one out of conference game, and they've picked Liberty, and this year Liberty are pretty darn good. Yeah, so yeah. that's a bit ballsy from Virginia Tech. I don't think it's going to really matter much in the end because I don't believe they're playing for a whole heap anymore with the inconsistency we've seen from this program. But Liberty, on the other hand, they could potentially be playing for a national championship if they can get through unscathed and somehow continue the ranks. I'm not talking a real national championship. Like, they ain't making the playoff. But I'm talking one of them U- UCF. Uh, like, no one, no one... You just... No one Someone, beat us. Some, some media outlet somewhere needs to vote you the number one team in the country. That's all no, you need. No one beats you and you get to make the t-shirts. So. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's get to the big one in the ACC and probably the biggest one of the week. Number one, Clemson at number four, Notre Dame. Well, here we are. This is potentially a preview of the ACC championship game. 
my spider senses are tingling a little bit. I am, I've got no idea. So you're going to have to convince me either way because I was, I've, I've written my notes and I'm super convinced I know. But then I think about it again. Notre Dame on the road. Uh, the big news obviously here is Clemson, uh, I think, more talented across the board. They've got better coaching, but they are missing Trevor Lawrence. And this is the big alarm bells. Obviously, he was out with COVID. He's going to be on the sidelines for this one. Uh, but he hasn't had the cardi, I can't remember the name, cardiopathy, cardiomyopathy, whatever it is, the heart issue. He hasn't been cleared for that yet, so he's been cleared for COVID, but he still needs to get some final tests done before he's cleared to play. Uh, and I'm a big believer in the elite quarterback play is necessary. There are maybe three in college football at one time. We had Tua and Trevor Lawrence last year. Clemson now doesn't have one. For the first time in three years, or probably longer actually with Deshaun Watson, don't have an elite quarterback at the helm. That we know of. So we've got true freshman DJ Ugalele starting on the road against the top 10 defense and a defensive front that has been completely dominant so far. So whew, what are your thoughts on, I guess, this Clemson's offense ability to take apart a defense that has been really, really good? Let's just hold up and say you pronounce that like a boss, like just rolled it in there, went for it, DJ Ugalele. Yeah, like you just did. Boom. Like you, I, I like that, my man. Uh, and Less issues than Tonga Vailoa, apparently. Yeah, that, and that took fucking forever. <laughs> yeah. um, but now, we, now we've got that out of the way and we've got his brother. We can sort that for however many years. He's going to float around <laughs> sliding back into this game. Look, you're right. Match of the week uh, in this one. Certainly national ramifications. Yes, I think Clemson get a do-over. Like, they get a free out in this one with big Trevor Lawrence plan. They can lay an egg. Yeah. They, can, they can not rock up. And as long as they get through the rest unscathed, it doesn't matter. They get the ACC championship game, and that's going to be their shot into the top four. So not like do-or-die circumstances for them, but certainly after last week's shock, they're coming in like tuned fire up and and it probably was that they were looking forward to this like last week was a big look ahead game for them and that's why we saw them look a bit sluggish against a boston team who took their chances and and almost were able to steal that one so we're going to have a clemson team that is dialed in keen to go here and uh a Notre Dame team that I think probably feels a little disrespected. Like, I think everyone in, in the nation is almost thinking, you know, Clemson are the best team here. Notre Dame have gone something like 32-4 and four over the last four years. I don't know the math on that, three years, whatever it is. Like, they've, they've put up elite numbers in terms of their win-loss column. The big issue that they've had is they don't have any of these types of scalps. Every yeah. time they've come into a big marquee matchup like this, they've fallen short. And they've fallen well short. Like They've really struggled in these sorts of ones. So on the back of that and the fact that Clemson had that support, like they had that shock last week, I, I expect the Tigers to, to roll. I think they can get it done. Even though they're on the road, they're really going to show out in this one, show what makes them the number one team in the nation. Like Even without Trevor Lawrence, I think... We're going to see Travis Etienne get fed the ball. He, he is true dual-purpose player. Like they're, they're going to want to get their some 
dump off passes, get him going early. And I expect that whilst the Notre Dame defense is really, really good, this they haven't seen anything like this Clemson offense. And every time we've seen them kind of step up into big moments, they really shine. We haven't seen that from the Notre Dame team. Uh, even yeah, you're, d- you're dead right. I'm going to build on that because national championship games against ranked opponents, when it was Texas A&M or it's Miami earlier in the year or um, big primetime matchups or whoever it is, whenever Clemson get a matchup like this, they look like they have been preparing the whole season for it and just hand their ass to them consistently. Um, I do want to touch on the other side of the ball as well. If we have a look at Notre Dame's offense and, and Clemson's defense, Ian Book, I think, has been afraid to push the ball downfield. And you know with Darren Kendrick and Andrew Booth Jr., you're going to get one-on-one matchups on the outside, and they're going to have to win on the outside. I don't think they're going to be able to. If Notre Dame have got any chance in this game, Kyron Williams just has to get going. That offensive line for Notre Dame, which is super experienced and super talented, has to have their way, but they can't do it by just lining up over the guys ahead of them and trying to bully them. That doesn't work with Clemson. They're too aggressive. They're too well coached. They're too gap sound and and savvy to get beaten by that. So you're going to have to be creative. Jet sweeps, counter, a whole bunch of misdirection, a, a broad range of run concepts to keep this Tigers team from just smoking you at the point of attack. So... I'm not convinced on the Notre Dame offense, despite their advantage at the quarterback position and on the O-line. Um, and I think if Clemson stopped the run early and you're forcing the ball into Ian Book's hands, I'm yet to see him take over a game in these big matchups. Like you said, they often come up fractionally short. He hasn't been able to manage it. And not only that, they haven't really played anyone this year that's really any good. And you could argue that Clemson hasn't either potentially... But I'm I'm super confident in Clemson's ability. I think they win big, or not necessarily win big, but win comfortably in in maybe a, a lower scoring game than expected. Like it could be like a I don't know twenty eight seventeen, but it's never really in doubt. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. That makes me feel better about myself. All right, <laughs> let's go Big 12, West Virginia at Texas uh, as we jo- as we dive straight in. I think this is the matchup of the week in the Big 12. Uh, West Virginia come off a good win last week. Texas beat Oklahoma State in overtime. Sorry about to bring that back up again. Jarrett Doge has been really consistent this year. Another 300-yard outing is on the cards for him, no doubt. Having said that Notre Dame's played nobody, West Virginia hasn't played anybody either. They've played outside of Oklahoma State in the first game of the year. They've played the bottom rungs, the Kansas, the Baylors of the world, K-State with injuries at home. Like They've got everybody perfectly. Texas has been a little up and down, and they've had to rely on Sam Ellinger to get them into and out of sticky spots. But I think this is potentially a, a letdown spot for the Horns. I know it's at home. I don't truly believe in West Virginia and their 19.8 points given up on defense. I think that's a little inaccurate because of the competition that I mentioned earlier. Um, uh, I'm going Texas just. Okay. I'm, I like Texas in this one. I think they're going to be invigorated with last week's uh, win. Game they didn't deserve to win, but ended up walking away victors of. And that gets them back in the thick of the Big 12 championship hunt. 
Like that, that is still on the cards for them. They are playing for something very real here. So I think that is enough to spur them on uh, for victory over the West Virginia Mountaineers. Okay, Kansas at Oklahoma, Texas Tech at TCU, Baylor at Iowa State. Any thoughts on those three games? The Kansas game, I got the over-under at 60. I don't know. The line's probably something like 40, but it's going over that. Like, that's going to get ugly. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, to bookend the Big 12 then, let's go Oklahoma State at Kansas State. This is really the game with two teams that sit atop the Big 12 along with Oak. Oklahoma, they've only dropped one as well, haven't no, they? No, they've lost two. Oh, God damn it. Um, so it's just these two teams. Good to see I'm all over the Big 12. Uh, I think Oklahoma State blow the doors off here. Will Howard is not good. He turns the ball over. He's facing the best defense in the Big 12. Juice Vaughn has been disappointing in the last three weeks. He hasn't been able to get going. If Oklahoma State's defense wasn't good, I could see this being like a frisky, dangerous game as, as things have been in the past for Oklahoma State. But it just won't be. Their offense can be mediocre at best, but you're going to have time. You're going to have possessions to be able to work through that. And Kansas State aren't going to be able to put up any points on this defense. And you must feel a strange sense of relief having, a, having some defense that can keep you in games. It is strange hearing those words come out of your mouth. Like, a good defense at Oklahoma State, best in the Big 12, like, genuinely decent. It's it's, it's uh, a bit surreal, but hey, 2020, shit's all upside down. Uh, yeah, look, I fully expect Oklahoma State to win this one comfortably as well. They're going to be pretty ticked off at the last week's result in a game. As I mentioned, they were probably the better team, but they lost the, the key differentials like the turnover stuff the the key moment penalties really came back to bite them so this one they're a better team than kansas state they're going to win this one all right let's jump into the sec and florida at georgia in the world's biggest outdoor upside down covid restricted socially distant sitting down alcohol drinking cocktail party is this the one this is the cocktail party isn't this it? is the one yeah they do uh, okay, question for you. Do you take the explosive offense and completely unreliable defense or do you take the steady quarterback play and possibly the best defense in the country? Well, b- before I answer that one, I just want to give you, what's the opposite to a bold prediction? Like the most obvious prediction of the week is that we're going to see footage of the cocktail party that is just going to like fly in the face of any sort of COVID <laughs> restrictions and shit that you see. Like at some point they're going to pan over what's going on there and you're just going to be like, what are these fucking idiots doing? Like they're still getting record rates of transmission throughout Florida and you're just going to, it'll blow your mind. Like that's going to happen. You're going to see that. But moving on to the game, I take the defense. I take George's defense in this one. I know the game's kind of changed a little bit and it is offense that is really kind of driving the the good teams forward now and it's not what it used to be. It's not defense wins championships. Uh, mm. But in this one, I'm certainly backing in the Georgia Bulldogs and what they've got going. I think Florida, I'm, I'm still concerned about how rife that they were run with COVID and the impact that that's had, the time missed by players there, the, the reps that they're down. They're, they're coming I did not up factor a, this in. I did not factor that in. God coming, damn it. coming up against a very good Georgia team. The defense has shown uh, week in, week out that they are an elite unit and I expect them to continue to, to do that. Yes, they got exposed by Alabama. 
I don't think Florida are as good as Alabama are offensively, and as a result, I'm expecting Georgia to win this in a typical Georgia fashion, like 24-13, 24-17, something like that. Okay. I sort of agree with you in part, but uh, this uh, Florida offense is, whilst it's not as good as Alabama, as you mentioned, it's certainly not bad. And, and if you have a look at who Georgia have played and kept scores down against, um, which they've done a good job of, don't get me wrong, but you're looking at Kentucky, they allowed three points. Now, Kentucky aren't a great offense. Tennessee, they allowed 21. I reckon Florida's offense is better than Tennessee. Auburn, six. You know what I think about Auburn. And Arkansas, 10. So they're only conceding 10 points a game against these non-Alabama opponents. But I think Florida can score enough points to win this one. Because on the other side of that, you've got Georgia. And how many points do you need to beat Georgia? How many points would be enough? How many do Georgia need to How many does Florida? Florida need to beat oh. Georgia, do you think? Oh, look, I think they're probably going to need to score around 30 points. Okay, interesting. Uh, Georgia have managed more than 27 points just once this year. I think Florida can put up 28 points. I know that defense sucks, but it's not like, you know, Georgia going to try and take the air out of the ball completely. They're going to try and play possession and try and keep that Florida offense off the field. And that's what they should do. Uh, but I think if, if Florida can put up 28 points, I think they probably win. So I'm taking Florida in an upset here. I'm taking them one or two points. It's going to be close. Uh, give me the Gators. Okay. Yeah, wouldn't shock me. And I like your prediction. Cool. Vandy at Mississippi State. I do not care about this game, except this is a battle for the bottom of the SEC. Uh, Mississippi State averaging less than 10 points per game over their last three cracks at it. So maybe Vandy can be a bit of a get-right game for them, but I'm going the doors. Not that I think they're going to win. I just want them to. Me too. So yeah. bad. And they are such heavy underdogs in this game. It's unbelievable. Like, big time. There's the massive line in this one, so... Come on, Commodores. You can get it done. Anchor down. Anchor down. That's it. Texas A&M at South Carolina. Tennessee at Arkansas. Any thoughts on those two games? Uh, I do not. I do not. Give me the pigs in the Tennessee-Arkansas game. I think Arkansas make things tough. Tennessee have been inconsistent and just real nervy offensively. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm taking the pigs there. Uh, in other games, probably the other big matchup of the week is in the Mountain West slash um, Independence. Number nine, BYU, take on number 21, Boise State. You've got Zach Wilson going up a up against a perennially good Boise State Bronco teams. This game's in Idaho on the Smurf turf. Uh, things probably don't get any harder for BYU. And if they are making a serious play to the semi-final looking at a semi-final berth they have to win this game and probably win it pretty big um, but Boise State are a good football team um, they've been consistent defensively they run the ball effectively and have have been had the ability to to put up points offensively as well so I'm, I'm still taking BYU only because Boise State have played just the one game two games one um, one game so Give me BYU, but this one should be really entertaining. Maybe two, I don't know. Uh, you look, absolutely. It's a, it's a Friday night. 
game We're over there. Tonight. So it is a, a Saturday one here, and it is a later one being in Idaho. So I think it's it starts about midday here or, or something. Playing two. That two, did you say? They played oh, two. Oh, they played two. Yeah, so I was wrong. Um, midday on a Saturday. So I'm certainly going to have the horses on one television and, and this game on the other. And the NC State on the other. Are you guys playing Friday night as well? Yeah. Oh, beauty. I'll have to get three TVs going. <laughs> uh, I, I deserve it. I had a big weekend last week, so I've, I've earned some me time, I think. Um, and I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy this game. I, Zach Wilson is one to watch for, for those casual listeners who haven't had an opportunity and you don't have much going on on a Saturday. I don't know, you probably do. But if you do not, then get around this game because this is going to be their one audition. This is it. This is their shot for yeah. BYU to be a legitimate team. As you mentioned, not only do they need to win, they need to win in an impressive fashion. I don't think they do. I'm not saying I don't think they win, but I don't think well, they I mean, win what in an is impressive, impressive fashion. What is impressive fashion? Like, like controlling the points? game. No, I don't think it's a point thing. I think it's yeah. like a comfort. Like it's just uh, they they comfort went in, thing. go into this house. It's got to feel like a warm hug. Home. That's what we need. We need BYU to warm hug Boise State. We want some sort of like Heisman moment for Zach Wilson, but like he's just not going to get it because this is their only one, and they're not going to get that adversity. Even like it's it's just a bit strange. Boys are a good team; they're tough to play uh, at on the road. So I think this one's real close. I think BYU might come out, maybe, maybe not. I don't know, but I, I do see it as a close one. I hope. I like the fairy tale of BYU. I like they. I hope they can keep going. I just I really worry for them in this one, and I do urge people if you are do have the opportunity watch this one. I think you're going to see some good football. Other games in the Mountain West: San Jose State and San Diego State, both undefeated. There in the American: Tulsa at Navy, Houston at Cincy. I don't see any reason why Cincy won't win that one. And the MAC kicked off today with the entirety of Maction. Getting done. So winners, Toledo, Kent State, Western Michigan, Buffalo, Central Michigan, and Miami, Ohio. Uh, I don't really care about Mac football, to be honest. I like Buffalo. I don't know why. I think because Khalil Mack's out of Buffalo. Is that right? You know things. Yeah, you're a big Khalil Mack fan all of a sudden? I've I've always liked Khalil Mack because I think I wanted the Bucks to draft him. Anyway, we don't need to go down that particular rabbit hole. That is it. Game previews, is there anything else you want to touch on there? There is a lot of games happening now. It's good to be back. And And do you know what's really got away from me is the fact that like I'm now looking at every game. Like I'm not just going like, I'm just picking the best ones. I'm like, I'm actually going into every game. We've chosen to slip through it, but I've got literally notes on every single game here. Like you want to know Jordan Travis's, you know, average (laughs) pass per, like yards per pass play. I've got that for you. Like, if you want to know Boston College and fucking Phil Jerkovic is... I don't have stats on him, I'm sorry. But, you know... I, <laughs> Look, yeah, like, you're right. It, it, it's getting ridiculous. And because it's just this, been this slowly this slow snowball, it's just kind of got away from us a little bit. And uh, I really need to back that off. I'm trying to think of another good analogy of that. Um, but... I can't. Anyway, let's get into it. Championship draft time. You are picking first. Quickly talk us through it. I've still got no idea because I'm a visual dude and you keep telling me this shit, but I've lost track. But I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. Okay. So I'll I'll quickly go through uh, the squads that we've got now. I won't talk on who we've had and sold because it'll take too long, but you have Clemson and Ohio State. 
Uh, two top teams, obviously, there. $25, $23. You also have Marshall, who are worth $10, uh, coming in Ooh. at 16 They're and staying you have undefeated. Auburn, who jumped into the ranks uh, this week War on Eagle. the back of their significant victory over LSU at two bucks. So. Yes. Here, I, here I was thinking we'd get through an episode without that, but not to <laughs> be. Not playing this week either. On my side, I have uh, Notre Dame currently at $22, OU at $7, USC at 6 bucks, and no one else worth any money. So, who, who else have you got there in the money that you thought were really good picks? Uh, so I had App State. I bought them for money, and they are no, no longer worth anything. Uh Minnesota, Minnesota. Oh, yeah, see, that's so a stinky. That's getting good. that as well. Actually, it really should be this. I have Sorry, Northwestern. I'm just playing North, the Northwestern who are looking all right. So they're they're just missing out in the votes. But I think it's time for a change. I'm going to sell Notre Dame, the one team that I have that is actually worth some money. <laughs> flog them yep. off. So I'm going to flog them off for $22, uh, make a nice little profit on them uh, of 6 bucks from when I bought them at the start of the year. I just think it's too much of a risk. There's not enough to gain either. Like if they win this week, I don't think they jump Alabama and Ohio State. I just don't think it happens. They move up no. one spot. If they lose and it's not great for them, they could comfortably drop five spots. I think and that's they've, probably... got and, they've got to go and win it out from there, like win the national championship. For it to be worth it. Do you know what I mean? And they're, lo- yeah. they're not doing that. They're losing. They've scored a grand total of zero touchdowns in their playoff appearances so far. So Correct, correct. So, so uh, this is your them. Dude, you've got, you got to stop, 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 me introdu- stop me interrupting you. Just come on. So that gives me 45 bucks. That's a lot of money. That's more money than Whoa. I know what to do with. Uh, I'm going to uh, buy Alabama. I'm going to get a team that I'm just going to hey. sit on now. Uh, so I'll move up a couple spots there. That'll cost me $24. Obviously, um, it's not much chance to make much money, but I'm trying to get a, a shot at that uh, national championship bonus we have at the end. I can't remember what we decided, how much that was worth. We might have to play it back now. Yeah, yeah. I can't but, remember either. It was a yeah. bit. 30? Was it 30 or was it more than that? It was a double. I don't know if it was double. Oh, I can't yeah. remember. Anyway. So the three heavy hitters are now off the board and they're probably going to stay off the board as well, I would suggest. Notre Dame is up for selection. So you've got you've now got Alabama, Cincinnati. No, nah, sold Cincinnati. Don't have that. Oh, I got Alabama, Alabama, OU, Who else have you USC? got ranked then? Alabama, yeah. OU, and USC. Got okay. real blue blood. And your cash in the bank? Uh, $21 now. Wow. So you're still sitting pretty. Well, not really, because you have Clemson and Ohio State and Marshall and Auburn. So you have two powerhouses. I have the one. Yeah, uh, okay. I, I need to pick the right one that is going to fill in that fourth spot, don't I? That's going to be my challenge. Yeah, but you can sit on that for a bit while I'm just still here trying to make some money. All right, I'm going to dump Baylor because I just don't want to be associated with them anymore. Like and it. I'm going to pick up... Penn State. Not that I think Penn State's good, but the voters love them. They were ranked way too high to start the year. They're still collecting votes. I think they start jumping back into relevance and they'll start winning some games and they'll end up back in the top 15 somewhere probably. Okay, so you're picking up Penn State for free? Penn State for free. That's you're very done, thrifty. You've yeah. spent money <laughs> three <laughs> times Three yeah. times this year you have spent cash. I have gone one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times I've reached into my wallet. It's like we're at the pub. 
Yeah, <laughs> oh, that is. <laughs> uh, yeah, because you're off there placing another bet that loses. Um, okay, let's keep carrying on here. Bold prediction time. You start us off, Will. Okay, uh, this week I'm saying it's up in smoke. Uh, we have dreams of two uh, group of five teams up in smoke. Both BYU and Cincinnati go down. Oh. So two top teams, both undefeated at the moment. I'm saying that Cincinnati are going to lose to Houston and mm. BYU are going to lose to Boise. I, I don't like it. This this pains me, but it's, yeah. it's, I can see the narrative plan out that way. You know, you get these two teams, mm-hmm. they finally crack into the top 10 and then it's just the way it goes. It's how this game's played. I've seen enough of it to know you get your hopes up and I'm really sorry if you're a Cincinnati or BYU fan. Like I have soft spot for both of these teams this year. I'm rooting for them. I hope I'm wrong, but that's what I'm that's what I'm putting in as my bold prediction. Okay. Well, with my bold prediction, I feel like I said I was going to get specific and then I didn't for a little bit and I've jagged one. So I'm going back to the specific well again here and a bit of a narrative. So this is going to be the story of the beaver and the duck. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Mario Cristobal, the offensive line head coach wants to run the ball we know that and in a combination of stubbornness and proving that he can get a makeshift line to run the ball he makes Oregon carry the ball over 40 times this game against Stanford for less than three and a half yards per attempt somehow Oregon are in the game late and are driving for the winning score there's a running back exchange issue that causes a fumble on a rainy day in Eugene and Stanford pull off an improbable victory Meanwhile, just to the south, in a wet Corvallis, Oregon State wins. Jamar Jefferson outgains CJ Vidal, thus proving that when things get wet and wild, always take the beaver. Did did you... I like that. I'm going to throw that in there. But like, as part of your research for this week, have you been looking up like Oregon weather patterns? Uh, yeah, there was a little bit of that. Jesus, I like how deep you are getting this year, my friend. This is good. This is new levels we are hitting. Uh, well, I, you know, I need, to, I need to bring that specificity. All right, let's get into On The Punt. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Money, 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 money. <laughs> All righty, we're at that time of year where I have just made a complete fucking farce of this it's just embarrassing for myself so i'm clutching at straws and for those of you who dialed in last week you will know that i outsourced my uh some some of my selections here to the big fella across from me uh i i'm gonna claim that i have you know some influence in this i'm picking a few games that i think are going to be the upset i'm only backing upsets because that's the sort of year we're having uh, so I'm picking straight upsets and I've got a group of seven games here and I'm going to go through them and I need you to tell me whether I should take it or not. So I'm feeling loose tonight as well. I'm feeling loose. so Which is good. That's good. I like that. This is good, Aaron. All right. <laughs> let's get right into it because we are, we are dragging ass here. First one, uh, NC State over Miami. Ugh. This is to cover, right? Or just to win? This out, is right? just NC State to win. So we're getting $3.65. You're getting good money for it. Don't hate it. I could don't see it happening. It. Yeah, so could I. I. I don't hate it at all. I, I sort of feel the same way about this one as the uh, the Texas-Oklahoma State game last year. Just something doesn't feel quite right. I don't hate it. What I don't like is like our analysis of the game. The two of us 
talked about this for quite a little bit of time and then we both walked out saying yeah Miami's going to win and then we start talking money and we're like take NC State <laughs> yeah, I know so that's I, I was going to say NC State to cover I think is good I think probably Miami probably win but they're getting 10 points I don't think that's happening but, so um, am, I, am I taking the bet we're throwing it in there I'll, I'll, can I put that one on pause and we'll come back to it if we're short one then we'll come back to that I like it uh, next one I've got Boise over BYU so yeah, $2.20 I'd, I'd, I'd take that Yep. Okay, we're going to take that. Beautiful. Yep. Uh, Michigan State over Iowa. They're two dollars ninety five. Iowa are not Michigan, very Michigan, but I don't like Iowa at all. Yeah, I'm taking that as well. Good, good. I've, this is this is all good. Uh, <laughs> Liberty over Virginia Tech. Uh, I don't like that one. Four dollars eighty. Four dollars eighty. That's well, you'd massive. Be all, you'd odds, almost be silly not to. Right, right. <laughs> you get it. All right, we are rolling here. Uh, this one you're going to love. Vanderbilt over Michigan, uh, nah, Mississippi State. Not touching that. $6.75. Vanderbilt are terrible. They so are, are Mississippi terrible. State. They don't yeah, want to play for their coach. Mississippi they score. State. <laughs> they might get a safety and a field goal. That'd be enough. $6.75. Don't touch it. Oh, it's juicy. I love it. But all right, I'll listen to you. <laughs> depressed at that I can't wait till the only one that comes up is this Vandy one yeah that's gonna really hurt Uh, South Carolina over at home against Texas A&M we didn't talk about this one at all $3.45 at home nah Nah. don't like it I I, I still don't like South Carolina's um, combination of of spectacularly inconsistent quarterback and offensive play uh, I'm. I, I believe that Texas A&M are going better this year than I expected them to be. They've been more consistent. Kellerman's been good enough, so I I believe that they'll win. There's probably a loss coming for another loss coming for A&M, but not this week. Okay, I like that. Uh, Arkansas at uh, home against Tennessee. Yeah, I'm taking Arkansas. Yeah, they're I've only said it already. You only get the two dollars and two there, but that's going to bump our little multi up here. So we have. <laughs> Boise over BYU, Michigan State over Iowa, Liberty over Virginia Tech, and Arkansas over Tennessee. Do we want to take NC State or are we going to oh, I'd that leave one? that one. Can you just put them in to cover? Just put NC State in to cover. You're not interested in that, are you? Oh, I don't like that. No. <laughs> well, then I'd leave it out. Okay, we'll cut that one out. I think four games is enough and we can multi those ones there too as well. So what we will do is put two units on uh, each of those. So Boise over BYU, two units on Michigan State over Iowa, two units on Liberty over Virginia Tech, two units on Arkansas over uh, Tennessee, and then we'll put a unit on the whole lot combined, just in case mm-hmm. you know, some magic happens. And, okay. Uh, we'll see well, how that we go. If that all comes up, are we back in the black? I would say so, yes. I'd have to <laughs> plug it into my machine over here. Uh, but yes, I dare say we would be. All right, that brings us to the end of our week. What week are we? Week 10? This is week 10, my friend. That is unbelievable. Isn't it? Week 10 preview in the books. Uh, please, as always, hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at CFB Down Under. Make sure you do get in touch. Tell all your friends, say hi. Let us know about your thoughts, movements, feelings, general emotions on Sunday here or Saturday for that matter as well. Um, make sure you do subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a review. And on behalf of that go over there, for myself, my name's Aaron, that is Will, and we will see you next time.